This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. With the Friday Night Drive, I am Michael Dwojek, joined by the record North Shore founding member Joe Coglin. We'll get you all caught up on a busy week of sports going on here, a lot of hoops action, um, a lot of good stuff with the winter sports as well. And we got some football to talk about as signing day is taking place uh, today, Wednesday, as we're recording this. So um, we'll talk about some of the guys who are signing their letters of intent um, to play football collegiately. So a lot of stuff. So I mean, that means we'll do a four-quarter format as uh, usually do. Um, first quarter recap, Nutrier and GBS boys basketball, big game there. And we'll talk about some other basketball taking place. In the second quarter, we are joined by Nutrier assistant boys basketball coach David Brenner. In the third quarter, we play Way or Nowhere, a weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we will talk about football signing day as we got some local area products heading off to college to play uh, football. So a big, fun, encouraging, and fun um, day for both Nutria and Loyola and for the families and the signees. But um, why don't we get things started here in the first quarter and talk about some hoops where um, last week we talked about a big matchup between GBS and Nutria boys basketball, um, two of the better teams in the state of Illinois. Um, and uh, what we didn't know heading into uh, the game was that Nutria was um, actually handle, dealing with a little bit of the COVID outbreak where um, coach Scott Fricky was not able to coach the game. And um, there, uh, there were a few players who did not play in the game. And Joe, you mentioned before we started this podcast that you were looking around and you were just like, it seems like we're missing some people. And um, that was clearly the, the spot. I mean, GBS won 73 to 53 um, to win that matchup against Nutria. Um GBS really shot the ball, re- ball really well. Um, obviously, Nutria missed a few, some of their players, but um, GBS really uh, was able to control the offense, really had a high shooting game. And Joe, um, I know you mentioned a little bit before where um, it might have been a tough matchup for the Trevians had their entire team actually played. Yeah, I think that if everybody was there and GBS still shot that way, which, you know, any any uh, variable is going to change, uh, you know, the, the the game script and things like that. But if GBS shot like that, there was nothing, I don't know if any team could have done um, outside of maybe one or two in the state. They were on fire. Uh, they were hitting open guys too. Uh, Martinelli got his all night. Um, very clever way to, to get him the ball um, from the perimeter. Um, a lot of slip screens, uh, you know, pocket passes um, as he was as he was rolling to the hoop. Um, very clever stuff. And he knows how to finish around the rim. So um, big days from R.J. Davis. He hit five threes. Um, Cooper Norad hit four, I believe, while being just hounded by the neutral defense. He got a couple of open looks. He also hit one where he was just blanketed, um, plus a foul. So he's obviously uh, one of the best shooters in the state. And then um, I forgot his first name, but Mars, his last name, um, had a couple in the first half, too. I think they shot over 50 percent on threes, like 13 to 24 or something like that. So uh, they were just lighting it up. Just a really nice day for GBS. And, um, you know, when you're playing without your, your point guard, um, you're in trouble. 
Now, Nutria does have some secondary ball handers for Fitzpat or uh, Josh Kirkpatrick, and Fegan can handle the ball. And I think they have a lot of kind of flexibility there. But Canellis is very special. Um, senior, he's uber quick, can break down the defense in in you know microseconds, and then that obviously frees up their shooters. They didn't get a lot of um, open looks throughout the night. Nutria is credit to GBS's defense. I think he would have helped with that. He's also been known to get, you know, um, with his, whether it's his drives or just his passing, get Monroe open and Monroe and, and Martinelli was an interesting matchup on, on the defense end of the floor. So uh, would have been a different game. I don't know if it would have mattered um, the way GBS played, um, but two great teams. You could see a lot of things and really impressed with, with GBS finding the open man in their fluid offense. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, just what, uh, what was it about this GBS team? I mean, obviously we've, We've talked about it a lot. Cooper Noward, Marinelli, uh, Gavin Murray had a big game. But, um, I mean, just what is it about this GBS team that um, really makes a difference and kind of puts them at another level um, that Nutria is obviously trying to be at when uh, they are at full strength? Yeah, their ball movement really impressed me. Um, two things I think that stuck out that I guess, I, you know, I, and I know of, of Nick Martinelli and, and you know, Cooper's shooting. Obviously, those two things are well-known. Um, to anybody in this area, but um, very impressed with their ball movement inside out, outside in. They really just work the ball around and they had open guys kind of at will, especially in that second quarter when they went on that 21 to two run to start the second quarter. Uh, it was impressive. And then they drained the shot. So it's clear that guys like Davis and Marr, who, who don't get as much ink as uh, Martinelli and Norad are ready to shoot, are ready to play, and they, they bring it. Um, Davis also had a great day on the glass. So his performance on both ends of the court, as well as Martinelli's defense on Monroe. So if we talk on the other end of the court, uh, the defense from GBS really impressed me. Um, just stopping Jackson Monroe from Nutria from getting the ball in a position to score. And uh, also their defense on Jake Began, who's another one of the best shooters in the state, was impressive. Uh, Jake was able to get his um, eventually. He had a couple just pretty moves to set up his own shot. He can do that. But otherwise, um, you know, Cooper and, and company were, were on him as well. So Nutria really never found a rhythm, maybe for a brief stretch in the third quarter uh, where they were working in transition and uh, they were able to get some, some open looks, which is their offense. You know, that was interesting that Jake Began told me that after the game that a lot of Nutria's offense is its transition. They work it from their transition. And while they can play half court, any team has to be able to, um, they're more comfortable if they can get out in transition at certain points, and that sets up a lot of their explosiveness. And uh, when shots are going in like that for GBS, obviously you're not going to have transition game. So uh, that was a big part of it. So I would say, you know, sticking out to me was the ball movement for GBS as well as the um, the defense from Martinelli and company. So where, I mean, obviously you need to get healthy and that sort of stuff, but where does this new cheer team go from here just – um, what does it learn from a game like this where it knows what it needs to do against a team like GBS and uh, to compete against one of the best teams in the state? I mean, where does New Trier um, just kind of go from here? Yeah, I'm interested in their thoughts after watching the tape because it's hard um, right after a loss or, you know, middle game um, if you're not watching tape to make the adjustments. But GBS was open. I mean, that was very clear throughout the game. They were, you know, their offense was setting up open shooters and they knock down the shots but you don't want people that open obviously so 
what led to that i think they need to watch film and figure that out were they you know too focused on norad and martinelli like were you know more than their you know you got five guys working as a unit was one guy here one guy there a little too focused you know you got to stick to your strategy if you don't you bend this way you bend this way that's going to leave open guys and a good offense will find them so um, i think they need to adjust for that you're not going to be able to uh survive um, against good teams when you're, when you're leaving people that wide open, obviously a, a much higher percentage shot when you're that open. So they got to figure that out. And I think just, um, you know, figuring out how to, how to get Jackson Monroe free um, when they're on the offensive end of the court. Uh, Martinelli's, I think, you know, he's going to be, we know what he can do on the offensive end. He's going to put up points, but he was really impressed me on defense. Um, so maybe it was mostly him. Um, but you got to get Jackson Monroe some shots. You got to free him up. You got to do some creative things just because he can score on multiple levels and he's, he's got a nice shot, but when he's blanketed like that, um, it's obviously going to limit his opportunities. So I think they got to figure that out. And I think, um, Canelo's coming back is a big part of that. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not too worried. GBS really shot lights out. It was a great run Nutria made in the third quarter. Um, I think if they play like that, um, you know, it's a different ball game. Um, but GBS put it away in the early fourth, but, um, yeah, just a, a couple tweaks and they'll work their way. It's early in the season. All right. We'll hear more from this game in the second quarter, but let's get some other basketball thoughts here as well. Loyola girls basketball still undefeated this season. Kind of predicted this got a win against, uh, Bulls, uh, prep Academy. And they also got a win against Fenwick. Uh, it seems like the Ramblers are just continuing to, uh, move forward here. Yeah, um, very good team. And, you know, the more they win, the more confidence they get, the more they figure themselves out um, in, in spots that, that, that could be weakness. I actually haven't been out to see them yet. I hope that happens very soon. But um, it's, a, it's a very good team. You can tell by not just the, the 12-0 record, by the scores they're putting up. And um, they've played some good opponents and gutted out victories here and there, like they did with Fenwick and McCauley. So um, this is a good team that they're, we're going to find out um, – a little bit of their medal in the Montini Christmas tournament. They got Montini first and then they go in the Christmas tournament and Montini, which I think the Whitney Young's in there and Trinity. So it's a good, it's a good tournament. So we'll see, but um, it's a well-rounded, um, just a very good team. Yeah. Good team, especially, uh, you know, last week we talked about whether they would finish the calendar year undefeated or not, but um, we'll see how that part goes. Um, Loyola got a nice couple wins against uh, Providence St. Mel, Lincoln Park, uh, Bulls Prep Academy. They play um, Francis de la Salle, Salle's um, on Friday night, and then they'll take on Grand Community before um, taking on Evanston next week. I mean, um, other than that, obviously, Nutria loss and Notre Dame loss, it seems like uh, Loyola is kind of piecing together some good wins and uh, figuring some things out here. Yeah, they got a lot of players. They're a deep team. Their point guard has been really impressive, Alex Engro. I think he had a game where he was around uh, like 17, 5, 5, and then like four or five steals. Um, so he's very active. Obviously, their defense is a um, key component for them and a priority. Um, and uh, we're going to see what they're made of against Evanston. Um, and as well, I think they go, if I'm not wrong, they go to the Jacobs tournament maybe um for christmas so you learn a lot about your team in those christmas tournaments um you're, you're most likely you're going to take a loss maybe two it doesn't define your season but you learn a lot so we'll see but i'm uh, that's a very good team and when i saw them i just uh, beat saint ignatius 
uh, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, definitely. Any uh, last basketball thoughts before we head over to the second quarter? No, new to your girls. I know uh, they took a uh, tough loss to, to GBS by two points. So we talked about if they'd win the conference, it looks like right now, uh, Maine South and GBS got a bit of a, a step on them um, with those wins. But I think Nutria can, those are both really close games. So I think it's going to be kind of a dogfight there in the, in the CCL South on the girls' side. Uh, but they came back the next day with a win over Hersey. So that was nice um, to see. Um, I think that's the case. So did Nutria boys win Hersey? I'm totally, they, they had a win the next day. I'm not sure who they beat. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. So we covered them all. So that's, yeah, those are my thoughts on uh, hoops. All right, well, let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by uh, Nutria Boys assistant coach, David Brenner. Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up with uh, Dave after the game against GBS. So what are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, obviously coach Fricky was out. Um, so we talked to assistant coach Brenner, who's been there for, for 20 years or so. And um, talked to him just about, you know, what do you do when you're, when you're under assault like that from a three-point barrage from just a, a really nice game from GBS uh, where does your strategy kind of go wrong? Things like that and, and how you bounce back. All right, let's take a listen. We didn't get enough stops and they scored too many points. We don't, you look at our scores this year. I mean, I think you know, our average for games is probably lower than what we gave up at halftime. We scored halftime 43 mm -hmm. or something like that. I think so, it is. I think you're in the 30s. Yeah, so we didn't do a good enough job playing, uh, playing defense and, uh, and they, you know what, it's, the game's not, you know, the game, there's two teams. So we're trying to do certain things, and so are they. And, yeah. and they, you know, out-executed us tonight. And uh, we, we have to be we have to be in a situation where we, we look at it. We have high hopes and dreams for this season, and we're going to have to get better, um, you know, to reach them. But uh, it's, it's a long season, and it's early in the year. And we're going to play him once more, and maybe twice. And uh, maybe we can uh, get better and, and, and be more competitive. A lot of their buckets um, were pretty open looks. Um, and from their supporting cast, Davis and Marr got some looks, and we're, we're knocking them down. What, what led to that? What those guys shot today? I don't have their percentages. Um, but, I mean, Davis had 17. I think Marr had, you know. So what led to those open looks, you think? I think we, was, we put a lot of uh, emphasis on, uh, on Cooper and uh, Nick. And, uh, and those guys are so good that it's hard to guard them with one player. So uh, maybe we got, uh, maybe we were doubling them and, and the other guys were open. We certainly didn't want to give uh, Davis open looks, but we did. Um, so they're good. They stretched us out. Yeah. Hey, Mike. How you, doing, uh, you were able to cut it um, to 12, you know, kind yeah. of a ferocious comeback there in the third. You felt like you had a shot, and, and kind of what, what, did you, sure. what did you feel in that moment? I mean, once, you, once you go down 20 points, you kind of have to throw a no-hitter the rest of the way. And so our guys have a lot of character. I mean, we're a really good team. You, you know, again, you take away your head coach, you take away your point guard in a game like this, and we're feeling a little bit naked. Uh, we're a better team than we showed tonight, but we're going to have to prove it. Uh, to them so we jump back in and then I'll have to look at the film because I don't remember it all but I'm sure you know there was a play at the end or hits a three and gets fouled you know um, we just couldn't get over the hump and we met, we didn't shoot it well uh, today probably their defense has something to do with it um, you know but it's it's a little bit 
you know, back to the drawing board. We have great kids. I, I've been here 20-something years, okay? We have great kids, and we're good. Um, they're going to, you know, anything we accomplish this year has got to go through them, so we've got to we've got to conquer it. We split with them last year, and, uh, you know, we're, we're not we're not giving up on anything. Uh, we're, just, we're just keep on trying better, get better, and get healthy. Thanks so much, Dave, for joining us this week, and thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches for join, who join us each and every week. Always good to get your guys' insight. All right, let's move on over now to the third quarter where we play our weekly game of Way or No Way. Uh, that's where I give out five questions for Joe and I to answer, and we debate whether way that can happen or no way it cannot happen. We've been agreeing a lot, working on it. I don't know, maybe I, we need to figure some things out here. But uh, let's see how we do in this week's or this week's version of Way or No Way. We'll start off with the new trip boys, where we, which we've talked about a lot in the first two quarters. Way or no way, Joe, that the new trip boys basketball team has a long shot to win the CSL South. Um, yeah, I think they do. Um, I think they can come back. You said four, right? Yeah. You said boys, right? Yeah, boys basketball. I thought so. I always get tripped up on the question. But, yeah, I think absolutely they do. Um I think they can come back and take down. I think they're that good. I mean, I think them and GBS are pretty well matched up um, on an even, even night. Um, and I think it's perfectly um, possible for them to beat them on the, in the second half, the second game um, over at GBS, which I believe is going to be in end of January. So going to be, you know, circle that one on the calendar. They're going to be pumped for it. They're going to want to take them down. It's going to be, um, a great one. Can't wait to check it out. Um, I think they, those, both those teams, as we mentioned before, have the leg up on uh, the Evanston's and the, the main South right now, but we'll see. New Cheers got Evanston. This is, we're recording this on a Wednesday. They have Evanston on Thursday night. So we'll see how those two teams stack up as well. We know Evanston brings it. So um, I think they, they certainly have a shot. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I, I don't, I don't know if it's exactly going to happen, but they still do have a shot of winning the CSL South. I think, uh, We'll get a better view of these two teams when they play against each other. Hopefully both teams are able to stay healthy. Um, I know obviously uh, cases are really going up right now within uh, um, the communities, but um, I think that there's still way a shot that they can win the CSL South. I think uh, when this team is fully healthy and fully um, able to play, I do think that they can hold up with GBS um, at least for a chance to uh, win the CSL South. But um, if both teams win out and uh, Nutria beats uh, GBS and they win a share of the title, maybe one of the teams trips up on the way to that before they match up, though. All right, second way or no way, Joe. Way or no way that the Nutria girls basketball team can regroup after the slow start? Yeah, you know, I don't know um, how much of it was a slow start um, per se. I I guess it was with the, you know, the win loss record, but uh, you know, they were missing their best player when they lost to Loyola um, and uh, Stevenson too. I think Abby Ryan was also not there. Um, you know, GBS and Maine South were close losses. Uh, I think they can win those games on the second half of the schedule, but uh, yeah, I think they can regroup. I think they have the talent to do it. I think they have the coaching to do it. So I'll say way they, they won't play Evanston tomorrow night, Thursday night. Um, because Evanston had to, had to, had to back out. They will play Lincoln park instead. Um, they did fill that schedule, but uh, we won't get to see that great matchup. So, um, that would have informed a lot of our predictions, but I think they, they can weigh. 
Um, I think I, I think they can't. Yeah, I think I'll, I'm, I'm debating about this one because um, obviously two close losses to conference uh, rivals to start things off is not an ideal start. Um, the BGB and the Niles West, but losing to Loyola as well. But like you said, without some of their players, um, I do think that if this team does have their entire group there, um, they will be able to, uh, um, they'll be able to figure some things out. Um, I agree with you. I don't think the win loss record is really indicative indicates what uh, this team uh, really is, but um, I think I'll go with, uh, I think a way that, yeah, this team can regroup from a slow start, um, get their players back um, and uh, make a run. Maybe that it starts at their Christmas tournament. All right. Way or no way, Joe, the Gage gym will be hosting its final basketball game um, on Thursday against Evanston when the boys play um, uh, this past, this next Thursday, uh, way or no way, Joe was changing Gage gym a mistake. Whoa. Um, no, not at all. Um, from everything I've heard from everything I've seen, uh, in that gym, it's time it's, it's, uh, outlived its date by probably more than one decade, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's outdated. Not only, I think it's important to know that that whole space is used for obviously a lot of education um, in school education, both um, physical education and otherwise, you know, there's classrooms in that space too. So it's, it's just, it's not easy to get to. It's not easy to, um, you know, the infrastructure is not there. Uh, it's, it's just a burden in a lot of ways. And yes, the gym's historic and the gym's um, you know, got memories built into the walls and built into the floor. Uh, but you know, those will carry with it to the new gym. I think it's important that they're adding elements, um, of the, of gates into the new space. I don't know what they're going to call it. Uh, I don't think that's been released. So that'll be interesting, but, uh, it's just like a new gates gym. Um, and a more modern one. We talked about this a lot, at least I have, um, in certain stories that, um, and, and then podcast that, you know, Nutria's facilities for being an exceptional school and like it lights to be and promote itself are underwhelming in a lot of spots from their baseball field to their, to their basketball, to, to some other um, spaces that they do for athletics. So um, they're overdue and this is, uh, this is necessary, I think. I'm going to disagree with you there. I am like, uh, as Fans of the podcast know I am a big old school Gates gym guy. I like uh, the old school gyms. And I, yes, I do realize I do not have any architecture background. I do not have any building background. I don't know um, all that sort of stuff. But I do know basketball and when it's fun to play basketball. And that's when it's played in an old school gym where quarters are tight. And uh, maybe that's not great for the COVID times, obviously, but where uh, um, you get uh, close people, you get great vibes, you get uh, a strong student section from both sides. Um, I do think that maybe it would be possible. It probably would have cost more money to retrofit and really modernize um, Gage Gym, but I think it would have been worth it just to uh, um, have that old school feel because I think that the new renderings are very nice. They look like they'll be a really nice gym and I'm excited to check it out down the road. But I do think that it will lack some of the features that Gage Gym has, that Evanston's gym has, that Loyola's gym has, I mean, even the GBS has where it's Titan Dome, it's not old school, but it's just different. And I feel like that, um, that gym will lack that with Nutrier's Gates gym. So um, I think uh, way it was a mistake. Um, I think it could have been done differently. 
maybe it wasn't economical and I'm sure, I mean, I'm not a taxpayer. So, I mean, I'm just throwing in random shots here from outside of the new township area. But um, I do think that uh, keeping Gates gym would have been the right move. But um, like I said, what do I know? Um, that's just one basketball fan's uh, opinion. All right, let's move on over now to the fourth question. Way or no way, Joe, Loyola Wrestling is off to a hot start. Um, way or no way that Loyola Wrestling will have an individual state champion this year? Ooh, a state champ? Um, <clears throat> I think Massey Odiati is, is ranked in the top five. Um, so he certainly has a chance. I think if you would have said medal, I would have said definitely. Um, I think him and maybe a couple others. Um, a state champ, uh, man, I got to look more closely at who's above him right now. So I'll say no way. Very hard to win a state title, um, but he's uh, he's got a shot. I think he's he's in that small team picture of people who have shot at, I believe he's at 130 maybe um, pounds or so. So um, he's up there. Um, <clears throat> I don't know where Mike Williams, um, who I believe is either at their heavyweight or at their at their like 195 um, weight. Um, he just came back. He just finished second at the prospect tournament. So maybe he's got some work to do. Um, he's obviously an all-conference football player. Um, so we'll see. Maybe he is just getting ramped up and he's going to be among the state's best. Um, he finished second at that tournament, like I said. So, uh, But I'll say no way. Very hard to win a state title. I agree. I think it is uh, it's hard to win a state title, but I'm going to disagree with you again. Um, I don't know if last time we've had two disagreements, but um, I do think Massey Odiati um, has a good chance of winning a state title. I mean, he's win finished first. He finished first at the prospect tournament. Um, he's finished uh, first at other tournaments so far this year. Um, he seems uh, really poised to uh, do great things. I am really interested, like you mentioned, about Mike Williams, where he fits into the whole equation as well. Um, so I think I'll go away. They'll definitely have state qualifiers. They'll have medalists. And um, I think Odiati especially, um, and maybe some other uh, wrestlers as well, um, have a chance to uh, win a state title this year. All right, we are going to finish off things here with our fifth question. Uh, Marco Maldonado is Loyola running back, is signing with Colgate University. Obviously excited for him and uh, for his family, obviously getting a great chance to uh, uh, move on up and uh, show off his talents um, at the collegiate level. Uh, but way or no way, Joe, will schools regret not offering Marco Maldonado um, after uh, they see what he's able to do uh, at the collegiate level? Yes, I think they will. And I think it'll be multiple schools. Um, I don't know if it'll be your, your Big Ten powers, um, but maybe a few who might, who might have some issues at running back, uh, you know, not people, you know, uh, commits who weren't where they thought or so on and so forth. Because uh, I think Marco's going to be. I think he's going to excel. Um, you know, watching him the past two years, especially the first four games of this year, the kid was, the kid was on his way before that collarbone and it's a collarbone. We're not talking about a knee reconstruction or a hip. Um, it's a collarbone and it heals and it heals quickly. Um, you know, for, for other injuries, not, not any ligament damage or things like that. So that I know of. So I think, uh, he's going to come back. He's going to be better. He's going to be bigger. He's going to put on the weight. He's going to do the work. He always, from everything I've heard and read and seen, he does the work. Um, I think he's going to put up real numbers at Colgate and uh, people are going to be um, a little uh, kicking themselves for not, for not bringing him on in any capacity. I think an underrated part of his game is what he's going to do 
out of the backfield as a pass catcher. I think he showed some of that in the first four games, um, just his ability to get free in space, uh, pretty special. So yes, I will say way. Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with you there. I think uh, the way it's definitely a way for me as well. Um, I'm surprised more school. I mean, I understand the concern, obviously a broken collarbone. Um, but I mean, I think if you just look at his tape of um, what he was able to do his junior year, what he did for those four games was insane. He scored 12 touchdowns in four games um, early on. He just looked like a dominant player and unfortunately broke his collarbone. I understand why coaches and teams might be concerned about, about that a little bit, but I also um, agree that uh, it, it wasn't a ligament. It's not ligament damage. It's a bone that it was a clean break from what we know. And it was uh, it's fully recovered. He's fully back into it. So um, I fully expect Marco to do great things at Colgate. And um, I will not be surprised at all if uh, schools are wondering why do we not offer this kid. Um, and uh, I do think that he, uh, um, not that he's doing this or really motivated by it or anything like that, but I do think he, uh, um, will do great things at Colgate and definitely uh, make some coaches wonder, man, why didn't we offer that kid? He could have been on our team. But um, obviously, that's uh, hindsight is 2020. But um, hopefully, you got the best for Marco as he starts off at uh, Colgate. And that's a good way for us to move on over to the fourth quarter where we talk about football signing day. Uh, kids all across the country are signing their uh, football letters of intent today, the early signing period now. Um, starting today uh, as opposed to the regular signing period, which is in February. Um, I'm actually a big fan of the early signing period. Good to get the kids um, all decided up, um, know what the coaching situation is as well. And uh, we had some uh, local athletes uh, sign their letters of intent on Wednesday. Loyola Academy had three. Like we talked about, Marco Maldonado signed with Colgate. Um, he'll be playing there. James Crutes got a late offer uh, from Illinois. Um, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. It seems like the two sides were flirting with each other and um, Illinois finally gave the offer on uh, Tuesday night. And James, I don't know how soon it was, like maybe 15 minutes later, um, announced that he was committed to Illinois. So he'll join his brother, Josh, there as well. And then we have Eddie Dreyer, who is a long snapper for the Ramblers. He'll be uh, competing at Denison. But uh, starting off with the Loyola players, Joe, I mean, um, you talked about Marco, what, how great of a running back he is and that kind of stuff. And uh, for James, I mean, you saw what he was able to do um, uh, defensively. I mean, co-defensive player of the year with Jimmy Ralder um, in the CCL ESCC blue. Um, he uh, was an all state player by the coaches. Um, he uh, was a pseudo running back. I mean, you saw the great moves he was able to do when Loyola was on his third and fourth running back. Um, because of Marco's injury and some other running back injuries as well. Um, obviously, I, I feel like it's a great um, a great get for Illinois getting an in-state kid who, uh, in my opinion, was uh, very under-recruited. Yeah, it's a great get. I think uh, he's going to make a difference there. You know, I was talking to a couple Illini friends last night, uh, as I know both, both you and I both uh, went to Illinois, so um, a little bit of bias there, but uh, I told him I was pretty glad he was there. I think he's going to make an impact. I think he can. I think he's um, athletic and versatile. Um, and man, the kid, I said this to a couple people this year on the sidelines. I was like, he kind of scares me a little bit. He loves that. He loves that physicality. He loves hitting. He loves finishing. Um, he's, he's a good, good, good football player. I don't know if he's the type of guy who's going to come in and be a, um, 
be a you know freshman year he's going to get you start getting you dozens of tackles um in big 10 games i don't think he's there i think he's got to grow he's going to have to put weight if he wants to play um linebacker in the big 10 he's 210 i think he's you know but he has that frame he's 61 i think he can get to 240 um and i wouldn't be surprised i was saying this i have no <clears throat> no uh inside information to say this but he's so versatile and flexible if they're set at linebacker I think he'd be, you know, put him back at safety where he played junior year. I think he'd be excellent there, and you could move him up in the box, moving him around. He's just that type of player where he's a, he's just a football player, and he's he knows what he's doing out there, and he, obviously his pedigree is great. Um, so I'm uh, very excited that I only got him. I think maybe some others were talking, but maybe he was decided, but um, I think it's a great get. Yeah, definitely a great get for uh, Loyola or for Illinois and uh, good for Loyola to get another uh, Big Ten uh, player in there. Um, talked about Marco and Eddie Dreyer. Uh, congrats to him on being uh, going on to uh, Denison as well. Um, and let's talk about Nutrier, who uh, where Nevin Kremascoli um, is signing with Northern Illinois. Um, we talked about Kremascoli a lot during the football season the last couple of years and um, obviously a big uh, a big get for uh, Northern Illinois uh, win, playing in the winning the big Mac uh, championship and um, kind of fits into what Northern Illinois wants to do, which is, I feel like a good fit for both Kremerskoli and uh, the Huskies. Yeah. You know, Nevin uh, can sling it. I mean, straight up, you know, Nutrier didn't have the best season. So I feel like maybe some of his stats were limited because he was throwing in desperation situations. One, that pads maybe the yardage, but two, it also is going to increase your, your interception. So I think he ended up with like 18 and eight, uh, which is good. Um, but I think if, if the team was uh, more successful, um, he might've had more rushing yards and he might've had uh, fewer interceptions. I think that's, that's the trade-off there. Um, I was impressed with some of the throws he made, corner end zone throws, sideline throws, uh, over the middle deep balls, uh, just some pretty impressive stuff, sideline deep balls. He, he can make pretty much every throw, at least that I saw. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a quarterback expert by any means, but um, big arm. So uh, I think uh, it's, it gives him a chance to be successful, close to home, got that hometown pride. I think he's pumped about it. Um, so uh, pretty cool, very happy for Nevin. Yeah, really excited for him and for all the players as well. Congrats on signing um, in the early period, I know. Um, there are some guys on uh, both teams who are looking at some um, offers at uh, other schools. I'm sure they'll be signing in the what is now, I guess, a normal signing period for fo football players um, in February. And I know um, we got some uh, big talent coming up as well um, in the next couple of years when it comes to recruiting. So uh, it should be a lot of fun um, as well. Some uh, some football notes around the state, Jack Losh. Um, decommitted from uh, Notre Dame and committed with Northwestern. So the brother rice quarterback that we were both really impressed with this season um, goes to the Wildcats after being on a baseball scholarship with Notre Dame. And he was going to walk on in Notre Dame. He decided to uh, take up Pat Fitzgerald's uh, scholarship offer at Northwestern and he'll uh, be playing in Evanston as well. Senoritos Caleb Brown is heading over um, to Ohio state um, Got some uh, good Illinois player, Jordan Anderson at um, Julia Catholic is heading over to Illinois. Um, some um, all over the area. It seems like Illinois was hitting up the Catholic League 
um, pretty well. And the Catholic League usually does well with other Division One schools as well. So um, obviously a big day for um, Loyola and Nutria players, but also players all across the state. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to see um, some other um, Illinois commits too came in today. So just obviously those, I follow those more closely, but uh, love the local recruiting class for them. And uh, congrats to everybody who's who, who made a big moment, was a big moment today for them. Yeah, definitely congrats to them. And thanks as always for joining to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast. Just a quick reminder before we say goodbye, that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Apple, Spotify, Android, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there. Make sure to subscribe, give us a nice little review as well if you can, and spread the word when you're at these basketball events or uh, swimming events or what have you. We appreciate um, all the support that we get each and every week. So uh, make sure you're catching up with me at Friday Night Drive for all the signing day coverage you're looking for outside of Nutrier and Loyola. We got some good stories up there. Um, got some uh, new coaches uh, signing on as well. So we've got your coverage there and make sure to follow the record North Shore as they've got you covered with everything when it comes to the North Shore sports scene and everything else involving the North Shore area as well. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.